welcome to another episode of Franzen's Furlong. I'm joined by my regular contributor, Rob Batterham. How are you, Rob? Very well, thanks, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I uh, good good weekend of racing last weekend. Obviously, not for my nap, pick Dory, but a day air run a really good race on the Friday, uh, which I was really happy with after we talked it up on the pod last week. And uh, yeah. generally, I thought it was a good day's racing. How, how did you find it? Yeah, very good. I think we've, we've, we've both backed a day for the derby now, haven't we? So. <laughs> well, we said on the for our listeners on the pod last week, we we said uh, we liked a day air. Well, I certainly did. Um, for that race last week, but it kind of it was a trial for the Derby. He looked like he was going to get a mile and a half all day long. Nothing came off the pace on a mile two at Sandown. It was all front of, you know, and he almost got there on the line. So you would think he will get a mile and a half. I always saw him as a Derby horse. I actually backed him again just before the race because I saw him on the paddock on the TV and he looked enormous. So I think he's really come out and really had a good winter. And I'm very keen. I think we got 20 to 1 for the Derby, Rob. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. I think we both got 20 to 1 because we both saw that run and immediately put a couple of quid each way on the Derby. So, yeah, so yeah. Um, bit of a ruins our Derby preview pod because I'm probably going to be back in a day. But, yeah, they're no, really good. Really good days yeah. racing. Uh, how did your nap get on last week, Rob? You had Thunderous, didn't you? Thunderous didn't do well at all. He was about seventh, but I think we'll talk about him a bit later. Um, I'm not willing to give up on him. Good, I man. I think it would wrong race the wrong trip um but yeah i think maybe we'll mention that later so yeah naps naps aren't doing so well <laughs> apart from my one winner a few weeks ago we're all we're all down you're still in the positive though rob that's which is the main thing mate we're you're still in the she's still in the the black on the on the naps table whereas yeah. me, me and dave are not um and yeah dave had finnow and champ in the zurich in the pairs tournament and he must have been loving life because they were leading uh after three rounds but then tony finnow does what tony finnow does on a sunday and um went around in 76 i think on sunday and they finished outside he didn't even get his each way money bless him uh but and dave's yeah. not with us this week but he will be back on the pod next week for all you dave fans i know he has his own little army of fans out there he will be on the pod next week uh we've got some Voice messages from listeners uh, who've kindly sent in some questions around his cricket preview last week. Uh, we're going to cover them off next week. So if you have sent a voicemail in to the pod, uh, Dave will be covering off those questions next week when he's back on the podcast. Uh, recap of this week on what's been going on in the sport. Obviously, we've had the Champions League semi-final first legs, Rob. Um, we had uh, the 2-1 for Man City away at PSG last night. Thoughts on that result? Um, well, I thought it, it, City did well to come back from 1-0 down and there was a couple of absolutely superb goals. I, I must admit, I didn't watch the whole game, I just caught the highlights, but um, I mean, City have been looking imperious recently and 2-1 lead going into the home leg gives them a pretty good advantage. Also, but I just really hope, as, as a United fan, I just really hope Mbappe and Neymar just put in a performance of their lives and just turn them over. Well, <laughs> it's a day, it's almost... It's almost dangerous for City now because it's swung around because uh, Paris Saint-Germain were one nil up at home and I felt like Pochettino almost wanted to sit on it last night and yeah. he got he got up, you know it came unstuck and I feel like the the shackles will be off at City because they know they got to score two goals so I feel yeah. like they're going to go Mbappe and Neymar just go for it lads and I think it might be quite yeah. high scoring so we shall see what happens in that leg and City can't sit back that's not in their nature so yeah. I'll be, I think it'd be a really good game that second leg and then obviously the other game. Chelsea got a great one-one draw in Madrid. Um, how? What did you think of that? I mean, it's a good result for Chelsea, obviously. 
I mean, it was, but they play Chelsea played really well, but they didn't they didn't capitalise on it. And one all for me is not a great first leg result. Um, people always say, "Oh, you've got that crucial away goal," but actually, when it's one one, it means nothing because you're never going to go to the second leg and play for a nil nil draw. So it means you've still basically got to win the home leg. Uh, and I fancy Madrid to just, you know, like like we said with PSG, the shackles are off almost. They're, they're, they, they can they can play their free-flowing football and they've got match winners in the team. Um, you saw Benzema like popping up with a goal. He, he can do some serious damage. So uh, I'm still confident that Madrid will, will have a chance to, to turn that tie around. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I think... I think it is. It's an interesting one. Two-legged ties are really interesting because it changes your mentality. And sometimes I think teams think they've got the game won, and I think that's a danger. Yeah. Um, and you're right. One-one. Madrid is still well in it, and they Madrid are probably going to score in that second leg. Yeah. They're an attacking outfit. Um, we shall see. We'll see. But it's certainly interesting. And snooker, your bet's still going well. Mark Selby in the snooker. Yeah, he's he's looking nice. Um, very dominant quarterfinal win against Mark Williams, thirteen to three. I thought interesting that Judd Trump was knocked out last night. Sean Murphy did well. I thought he bottled it to be honest um, in that in that last session, but he turned it around and won the last two frames. Um, Showed tremendous so bottle though from Murphy to have Trump come back at him to eleven eleven. And he pulled yeah. out two sixty odds, or seventy odds, or whatever they were. And I thought he's a wonderful player, Sean. And I, and I, do you know what? I'm really pleased to see him back in the latter stages because he's gone out of the world's far too early in recent years. He's got a wonderful cue action. Yeah. He's a wonderful player, and I think he's, I think he's fantastic. I'd love to see him win it. I'd love to see him win it. That that sort of finish to a game can really give a player confidence in the final. Like he'll he'll be going into well, sorry, he'll be going to the semi final with like full of confidence, and then. Know, potentially carry that into the final. 100%. Um, and I mean, my bet, obviously, I was a bit gutted. Neil Robertson got knocked out. I was disappointed. He he was 8-8 against Wilson and he just he just stopped playing almost. He just, he came into, I, I watched, I was, in those, when it's 8-8, it's really interesting how the players approach it. And I felt that Wilson came in and he hit, he hit a couple of really aggressive reds in that first frame of the session. Robertson looked a little bit timid to me and he just ran away with it, Wilson. And there was a few rubs of the green and you can say everything else. Wilson deserved it because he was aggressive and he went for the kill. And I thought Robertson was playing a bit defensive and he got a bit bogged down. So disappointing in my bet, Neil Robertson. But uh, hopefully Selby will do the business for you. But from a from a yeah, so. visual point of view, I'd like Sean Murphy to, to win. But And that's a kind of recap of the week's sport, really. Um, this is... The pod this week is going to be a Guineas preview mainly. We're also going to look at the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I think there's one or two other races we're going to have a quick look at uh, on the weekend card. Um, to give all our listeners a little bit of uh, background, the Guineas are the first two classics of the season. You have the 2,000 Guineas, which is the one mile for the Colts, and the 1,000 Guineas, which is the one mile for the Phillies. Uh, and this is obviously the sort of first big, big weekend of the season almost. And it really is an exciting weekend. So Rob and I are just going to talk through uh, the, those two races. And then I thought we'd do Kentucky Derby and, the, and then sort of wrap up some other races from the weekend if we want to talk about those, Rob. Um, but um, do you want to do the 2,000 guineas first? And we'll, we'll take a look at some of the main protagonists. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's a wide open race. Um, to be honest, I... 
I have a costly tactic when it comes to the 2000 guineas in that I tend to oppose Aidan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that is an expensive tactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for, for me, racing is, is two things. One is having a punt to try and make a bit of money. The other is watching the sport and enjoying the sport. And I don't support Aidan O'Brien. Uh, I know he's a great trainer and he has a lot of great horses and a lot of well-bred horses, but I, I, I just can't get on with him. <laughs> and I really dislike the way that in the classics he ends up with three or more horses. I mean, in the derby, he tends to have 50% of the field. Yeah. And uh, I, I just prefer another trainer to win it. Um someone who doesn't necessarily have the have the repertoire of these you know super well-bred horses so I, I tend to look I tend to just overlook the Aidan O'Brien horses to start with and look and look elsewhere so I've picked out three um first one being Thunder Thunder Moon so Joseph O'Brien who's actually Aidan's son but for me doesn't fit into the category of disliking, <laughs> disliking O'Brien so I think Joseph is um yeah, obviously he's come from a bit of a privileged route, and you—he's, you, I think he's only like twenty-seven, um, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect a twenty-seven-year-old to have done what he's done in his career. He's he won two Melbourne Gold Cup, uh, two Melbourne Cups, Irish Derby, St Ledger, Breeders' Cup, Cheltenham Festival winners, so you know, planned jumps, um, but he's not gifted the horses from from Coolmore that his father is. He, you know, he goes out and buys horses, or he's he's given. You know, less well-bred horses, and he and he turns them around, turns them into, turns them into superstars. Um, so Thunder Moon is Group One winner, uh, won the national stakes at the Curra on good ground, beat Wembley, who's actually the favourite for the One Thousand Guineas, um, beat another couple of horses, Master of the Seas, who's in there for Godolphin, and St Mark's Basilica, who unfortunately doesn't line up. I was a bit surprised about that. Um, must have an injury, wasn't it? Because he won the Dewhurst. You'd have thought he must have yeah, an injury. Yeah, one of the stand-up two-year-olds. Uh, but, but for me, that, that national stakes win was really eye-catching. And the form really stacks up. So, you know, Wembley, Master of the Seas, are, are coming, coming to the, the 2000 guineas. Um, and, yeah, really stand-up form. He was he was kind of hampered in the, in the two furlongs out, but he managed to find a gap and amazing turn of foot to power clear um from there he went on to the Dewhurst and finished probably a disappointing third behind Wembley on that run but it was on soft ground and he didn't look the same horse he didn't look like he had the same turn of foot and I I'm hoping I can put that down to the ground um so for me he's a he's a serious contender and I'm willing well I'm happy to, to back him to overcome Wembley um, and at the prices I think he's a he's a nice bet well, the other one I think yeah. is um, have you got anything to mention well I was just going to say for me he should be favourite um, yeah. I think that Vincent O'Brien national stakes run over seven in Ireland uh, where he beat Wembley he, he actually got hampered quite badly in that race and he still got up on the line and won it was a seriously impressive performance, and I think you're right. I think the ground cost him in the Dewhurst, and I think he'll get the extra furlong as well. I think he probably just needed the extra furlong, in my opinion. I yeah. I actually thought he'd be going in here favourite. I was actually surprised when I looked at the prices this week and saw that he was not favourite. 
I thought he's probably going to be around a three or four to one chance. So I, like you, think he represents a little bit of value. He's best price five to one at the moment. Um, and I think he represents a little bit of value for me. I, and I think you're right to, to earmark him because I think he's going to have every chance this race. Not necessarily going to back him, <laughs> but but I think he's going to have every <laughs> chance. I, have to, I think he's going to have every chance in the race. Yeah. Who's, your, ne- who's your next one, Rob? Okay, the next one is Mutsabik. Um, so Jim Crowley, Charlie Hills. This horse has never run in group or pattern company. So it's a bit unknown if he's got the class for a, a classic. But plenty of horses have taken that kind of route before, so not, not been proven as a group horse at, at two. Um, and it, actually, this horse's dam was a horse called Gahanti. Or, no, Gan, Ganati, sorry. Who won the 2009 1000 guineas after winning a Kenton Maiden at two. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't ever run in a group race before before the guineas um so he's kind of bred for it i mean being bred by a, a 1000 guineas winner is is great kind of form line or great pedigree sorry for, the, for this so he, he's one to watch out for um his previous races he won a four horse kind of novice conditions race at newmarket over seven furlongs three weeks ago and that was quite a stylish win by six lengths could have won by a bit more and if you look at the timings penultimate furlong was less than 11 seconds which is kind of five furlongs sprinter pace like not, not one mile course um, pace and that winning time stacked up well against some other races on the card that day so um, slightly unproven but if he if he puts in you know a race at those times he'll, he'll be right up there so that's one to watch another one to watch out for yeah and i think i think it's Yes, it was only a conditions race, that last one at Newmarket. But if you look at the three other horses, they're all decent horses. They're not they're not mugs. Yeah. There was a hundred and two rated Aidan O'Brien horse, a ninety five rated Andrew Balding. Noble Dynasty was only eighty eight, but it's probably better than eighty eight. I'm just having a look to see. He hasn't actually run since. I don't know what he's rated now, but that was a decent race. I think you could probably call it a group three race. Yeah. Um in, yeah. in quality anyway. Uh and I think I think you're spot on. My worry might be Charlie Hills doesn't necessarily have a load of guineas horses um, and I feel that hasn't got the experience of some of the other runners but as we know coming from two to three is a very interesting uh, winter he seems to have come on a bundle on that new market run and I mean a bundle because it's six length win over decent horses I think I, I think you're right to earmark him. My worry would be the price is 13 to 2 doesn't represent a great deal of value because you're still taking a little bit of punt because he hasn't got the form against his rivals that the others have. But you're right, yeah. to, right to say that's why he's 13 to 2 because a lot of people looked at it and gone, well, that was a brilliant run last time at Newmarket and we'll yeah. have some of that. So that's probably why the price is. It's very different against three other horses versus against 14 horses in a, in a Guineas when the pressure's on and. Uh, the kind of fanfare before the race. I mean, I know there won't be crowds, but it's still still going to be kind of hyped up a bit more than a normal race. So yeah, whether he can handle it as much as some of the other proven group competitors will be interesting to yeah, see. Definitely. And who's your third one then, Rob? My third one is Chindit, who we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, so really progressive at two years old, won the Champagne Stakes at Doncaster. Um, then I think didn't enjoy... A bit, a bit like um, 
bit like Thunder Moon, didn't enjoy the soft ground in the Dewhurst and finished ninth. Um, but he, he put that performance to bed with a decent win in the Greenham trial a couple of weeks ago. Um, the last horse to win the Greenham and then the Guineas was Frankel. <laughs> um, I don't think Tinder is the next Frankel, but still quite a battled, hardened group race winning course. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was up there with a with a place, or even I wouldn't be surprised if he if he actually won it. And and at twelve to one, he is an interesting contender. Yeah, and I think it wasn't visually very impressive. I wouldn't say that result in the green, he sort of got up on the line. He didn't look didn't look that impressive to the eye, but actually. He beat some decent horses uh, in the race. He's rated one of the highest in the race. I mean, he yeah. should have every chance. Richard Hannon's talked up his chances. So 12-1 to might represent a little bit of value. And I think we, we probably are guilty of underestimating him. I think I underestimated him before the Greenham. And I think yeah. we could be guilty of underestimating him again. I think the market probably underrepresents him. But I think it, it probably shows how competitive the 2000 Guineas is this year. That the fact he's 12-1. Yeah. to 1. So the winner of the Green was 12 to 1. It's a competitive guineas. Um, I just yeah. thought I'd chuck a couple more at you. Obviously, we touched on Wembley's favourite. It doesn't sound like both of us want to back it at 4 to 1, but it's probably near the top of the market for a reason. Second in the Dewhurst to St Mark's Basilica. Um, you know, decent form. I think the thing worried for me on Wembley was it took him four starts to get off the mark which is very unusual for an Aiden O'Brien horse. A lot of Aiden O'Brien horses don't win first time out, but most of the good ones win second time out. And to only get four starts, I mean, they were at the Curra, they were decent races against decent horses, but it's a bit of a worry for me. And I, and his form doesn't necessarily shout at me, winner. It shouts at me, it's come second a lot. Uh, if you look at his yeah. his record, he's only actually won uh, one race, hasn't he? Wembley. Got common on heavy ground. Yeah. yeah. It's not exactly, uh... And he's come second in a Dewhurst, second in a Vincent O'Brien, but you're like, it's he's not won those races, so I, I I definitely take him on. I'm surprised anyone's backing him at four, but he's probably come on a lot from from two to three. We haven't seen him yet this season, so I would imagine the market. Aiden O'Brien, isn't it? And Ryan Moore on board. Aiden O'Brien just just wins the Guineas. Yeah. <laughs> while we talk about Aiden Rob, I just want to I just want to talk about Battleground because. So Battleground, yeah. So Battleground um, obviously came fifth first time out in the Nace Maiden, which is fine. Aidan O'Brien's horses quite often don't win first time out. Went to Royal Ascot, very, very impressive winning the Cheshire Mower 7. Went to Goodwood, won the Vintage Stakes, again, very impressive. Then went out to Keeneland, and we know British and Irish horses going to Keeneland uh, in, in, in the Breeders' Cup is very difficult. Came Was, was favourite, but came second in the Juvenile Turf. Very good good result really because that's a very difficult race to win in the Breeders' Cup it's come back and you think okay well this this horse is going to be favourite for the Guineas surely no he's only rated 112 which I'm really surprised about because Wembley's rated 118 and I feel like he's just a bit underappreciated really I think that's great form from last season he might not have come on yeah that form's to me is better than Wembley and this is part of the reason I I don't like backing Aidan O'Brien horses is because often it's his second or third string that actually wins. Um, and it's hard to know, you know, out of his out of his lot, who's on top. Um, Definitely. And uh, for me, I think he's got just as much chance as Wembley. So at the prices, I'd back Battleground over Wembley would be my, yeah. my shout on that. 
I the other horse I just want to bring people's attention to is his Master of the Seas. There's two good open horses that are the same price in the market, around seven to one, seven and a half to one. One ruler ridden by James Dawe. But the horse I want to talk about is Master of the Seas. William Buick gets first choice of the Appleby horses. He's chosen this horse. Really good winner of the Craven. I really like the way this horse won the Craven. Um, the Craven hasn't produced a, a winner of the Guineas for a, for a few years now, but really ran well, picked up, didn't get a lot of room, didn't look like he was going to get home, and he really found a bit in the last furlong. Gets the new market. Uh, he's 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 ran three times over the Rowling Mile and won three times. The only two times he's lost is over other courses, second, uh, fourth in the Curra and second in Dubai. I think he's got a lot to like, and I think actually represents a little bit of value here. It's 15 to 2. Good each way chance, I think. Yeah, I like the fact he was campaigned in in Dubai over the winter as well. It means he'll be, you know, super fresh, super um, fit for this. You know, definitely. British, British based horses might not be as. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he certainly had a had a campaign, hasn't he? And fair play to him. I think I think I think he'll I think he'll be in the mix here. I really do. And the other horse at a much bigger price, I wanted to just mention was Lucky Vega. So Lucky Vega is currently twenty to one best price at the moment. Um, one first time out of Nace came second at the Curra uh, in a Group Two there over six furlongs. Then went and won the Nash uh, the Phoenix Stakes. Beg your pardon, over six furlongs. Um, at the Curra, which was a really good effort, then went up to seven for the national stakes. Only came fifth, but he had a very troubled run. I, for me, he got bumped around, didn't find any room, and I think actually he ran on at the end. I didn't think it was a bad run that seven furlong run from Lucky Baker in the end, and then went back to six furlongs and got turned over by Supremacy, uh, which in the middle park by half a length, and those two pulled away from the field. So, and that wasn't a bad race. Tactical was in fourth. Tactical's come back out and won this season. Although Supremacy was disappointing this week in the Ascot trials, uh, I do think that Lucky Vega. I heard an interview with Jesse Harrington earlier, and she said she thought the horse would get a mile, and the, and the and the question mark is over getting the mile. If he stays, I think yeah. he'll be in the mix. Yeah, but I think if he stays, he'll be in the mix. I don't know if he'll stay. But I thought in that seven furlong national stakes, if he hadn't had a disappointing uh, trip and bumped around, I think he'd have been a lot closer. And he ran on it at the end of that seven furlong race. So I wonder whether he'll get a mile. I think he might. And at 20 to one, is a big price. So, Rob, if you're going to have one horse in this race, what would you have? Um, Thunder Moon for me. So Rob's selection in the guineas on Saturday is Thunder Moon at five to one. Uh, and I probably I'd like I might have a little nibble at Lucky Vega each way. I'm between Battleground of Master of the Seas. I think I'll go Master of the Seas. Good old Finn horse fifteen to two would be my selection for the two thousand guineas on Saturday. But I do like Battleground. <laughs> uh, Rob, let's go to Sunday. We've got the Phillies version, the one thousand guineas. We've got a horse very short in the market of Aidan O'Brien's Santa Barbara. And um, what's interesting about this horse is it's only ever had one run. Uh, a maiden and it's obviously won the maiden very well but it, it's only had one run which is extraordinary it's six to four favorite for the guineas uh, that maiden Absolutely. yeah it, i mean it was I, I, it, I, yes it was a very impressive performance don't get me wrong he was nine to two uh, she was nine to two for that race she won it won it very well but it's just a maiden at the curra last september it doesn't necessarily strike you as 1000 guineas form but aiden o'brien over the winter said this was his 
probably his most impressive horse and how she came on from two to three. That line alone in the newspapers, I think, has made this horse been backed and backed and backed anti-post. It's six to four. It's short as you like. It might be a very, very good filly, but six to four for a horse that's at one run in the guineas, I'm not so sure. I want to be smashing into the six to four. How do you feel? Absolutely not. No, I can't. I can't see how people are parting with their money to back a horse that's only run once in a maiden at you know eight nine months ago uh, for the one thousand guineas. It's crazy. Uh, but again, it's the Aidan O'Brien factor. Like he, he has all of these great horses. He can, he can work them against each other. He can see who comes out on top. Um, you know, he can work Santa Barbara against Wembley, and you know, he can, he can see how how they match up, and he'll know. You know, Santa Barbara is a great horse, or Santa Barbara is not such a great horse, and yeah. Those um, sorts of things leak out, and that's why we end up with a six to four price. But I think he's got yeah, four me. or five in this race. But I heard on the grapevine earlier the declarations are coming in tomorrow, and I heard on the grapevine that he's only actually going to end up with two in the race, which should be very interesting. Okay. Who's the other one? But I think Santa Barbara's definitely going to run. I think we agree that for us, she's too short. She might win, but I'd rather have an each way alternative. Let's look at each way alternative, Rob. What have you got for me each way wise? Um. So. Well, each way wise, I've got a couple of big price horses. Good as well. Um, one to talk about first, I think Saffron Beach. So winner on winner of both starts at two, both over seven furlongs at Newmarket. So gets the kind of course and distance. Uh, well, so it gets gets the course, not quite the distance, but you'd, you'd expect from yeah. um, two to three that you, you can get a mile. Uh, one of those was the Group Three Oh So Sharp Stakes. Um, was then second in the Nell Gwyn a couple of weeks ago. And if you look back at that race, it looked to me as though she'll improve from it. Um, she was up there and basically headed on the line, but I'm not sure she was given like the, the, the hardest race. Um, I think there's this improvement to come from that. So eight to one, I think, represents a little bit of value. Well, she, I've got best price 12 to one here now, mate. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's she's one to watch out for. Adam Kirby on board, who's a, a good jockey as well. Yeah, no, very much and, so. I, just on that form line, Rob, um, I earmark Sacred, which won that uh, race that you mentioned last time out at Newmarket, the Seven Furlong, uh, the Nell Gwyn. So Sacred is a horse. I, so I, as you know, I'm a big William Haggis fan, and yeah. William Haggis is a serious trainer, very good with fillies. If you look at Sacred's form line, incredibly consistent. One first time out in Newmarket last season over five furlongs. Went to the Royal Ascot in the five furlongs Phillies race to Queen Mary. Came second to Wesley Ward's Philly, fair play. But ran very well in that race. Then went to York, six furlongs um, in the, it would be the Lauga, wouldn't it? The six furlong Phillies race. She came second by a length. Again, very consistent. Went to Doncaster, five furlongs in the Flying Childers. Lost by a short head to a 40 to 1 chance I mean you could look at it which I always say is seconditis is never a thing to follow in form wise but she was very very consistent again then went to the um, six furlong race in Newmarket so the Chiefly Park and ran no sort of race was over the top by that point came back this season went over seven finished well on the line picked up the horse that you just talked about there 
I feel like she will get a mile. I feel like she's consistent. She's running to a very consistent mark. And I think 12 to 1 might just underestimate her. I think think for a 12 to 1 shot, she's got every chance of placing in this race. Every chance. Yeah. I mean, those two were well clear in the Nell Gwynn um, of the the others. They're both the same price in this 12 to 1. So... They're they're very I think they're pretty equal aren't they on 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 ratings one uh, Sacred's one hundred and eight Saffron Beach is one hundred and five mainly because Sacred beat it and that's how ratings work um but but yeah for me Sacred's a really interesting uh, way into this race I like her a lot what else have you got for me Rob yeah I've got one big price horse that I think has been very overlooked for this race Fev Rover oh yeah Fev Rover um, yeah. Bev Rover, sixteen to one. I don't know what price you've you've got. Uh, currently got best price twenty. Best price twenty. Yeah. So winner of Group Two at Deauville over seven furlongs. So Deauville is a French course where they have a lot of summer races, um, very prestigious kind of French racing that goes on there. Um, and she was going away from her rivals at the line, suggesting that one mile will be you know easy uh, to definitely get the trip. Then went on to the pre-Marcel Boussac, which is the, the top one-mile Group 1 Phillies race in France, and was slightly disappointing fourth, but I think um, it was soft ground and was a bit hampered on, on that trip. Um, so, I mean... She, the, she was yeah. favourite for that French race, 9-4. to four. She was, was she... favourite for that French race, yeah, and the fact that she's a Group 2 winner over seven furlongs... There's not many other Group Two winners over seven furlongs lining up, and there's none of them at sixteen to one. I, I can't really get the price, and maybe people are just looking at the pre-Marcel Boussac run and putting a line through her. But and 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 I hate to say it, but it's the glamour. He's trained by Richard Farhi, which is a northern trainer that's not glamorous like Aidan O'Brien or Gosden or Haggis or exactly. a Balding. It's just yeah. the way it is, unfortunately. I agree with you. Probably represents a bit of value. I think it's... I mean, the official owner is Nick Bradley Racing and partner. I think um, one of the... That's a syndicate. One of the syndicate is Hugh Taylor, who's the famous tipster. Um, I think he co-owns this horse because I think I saw something with him being interviewed about this horse. He This is one of those horses that didn't cost a lot of money but has proven to be a very good performer. Even first time out, if you look at the form lines, first time out in the maiden, lost to Method of Martin Mee. And Method's a really good horse. Looking forward to seeing Method hopefully come back to the track at some point. Came second in the Newmarket Group 2 in July, the July meeting to Dan Della, lost on the line. Won at Sandown in July, over seven. Went to France, and you said that was a really good result, that Group 2 win uh, at Deauville. And came fourth in a heavy ground, long jump Group 1. Well... That happens on heavy ground. Some horses don't like heavy ground, and I'll always forgive a horse a run on heavy ground. So yeah, twenty to one in a race that, let's be honest, if you take out the first couple in the market, it doesn't look the strongest guineas I've ever seen. Um, I think something from a big price might come out of the woodwork, and and that might happen. Fev Rover. So that's Fev Rover's Rob's big price each way shout. I suppose the one in the market we haven't mentioned is Pretty Gorgeous for Joseph O'Brien, five to one. Um, yeah, Joseph O'Brien won the Phillies Mile at Newmarket, so that's a mile over Newmarket, as the name suggests, uh, in October. Won that pretty well. Uh, rated 113 on official ratings. is pretty much one of the best horses in the race, barring the favourite, which only had one run, so it hasn't got an official rating. Uh, it's actually the best horse in the race. 
uh, it's got a lot, a lot to like about it. It's actually, have you seen who the sire of Pretty Gorgeous is, Rob? Uh, a sire you know well. Lawman, yes. Lawman, which is a sire to one of your horses. The sire of Matam Star. It yeah. is. I was doing a bit of reading about Joseph O'Brien, and this Pretty Gorgeous is the highest rated Lawman filly that's ever, that's ever been. So, I know, it backs up what I was trying to say earlier, that he's a exceptional horseman, exceptional trainer. He doesn't just have the best horses. I mean, Lawman's a good sire, but he tends to not sire Group 1 winners, um, of which Pretty Gorgeous will be. What is? Philly Smile is a Group 1. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right, yeah. Already, yeah, yeah. yeah. already a Group 1 winner, so... Um, yeah, I mean, Dan, who who is your, who's your one pick for the... 1,000 guineas, or are you going to have a couple of bets? Uh, I'm probably just going to have one in the 1,000 guineas, and I'm going to back Sacred. Um, Alcohol Free is the other horse we haven't mentioned for Andrew Balling, which is 7-1, to one, uh, and won the Fred Darling last weekend, or the weekend before last, whenever it was, and I think it's probably going to have a decent each-way chance. But for me, Sacred, 12-1, to one, William Haggis has got every chance, and I like it a lot. So what about you, Rob? I'm going to back Pretty Gorgeous for the win, and I'm also going to back Bev Rover each way. And I'm also going to do a double on Pretty Gorgeous and Thunder Moon, a Joseph O'Brien double, 1,000, 2,000 guineas. A, a possible uh, master in the apprentice situation indeed. if Joseph yeah. has the double. That could be interesting. Yeah, no, family, nice, nice. Family politics on, on uh, Sunday night after that. Well, it's Aiden. Aiden would love it though because he loves his yeah. family dearly, and he loves all of his sons and daughters, and they're all horse mad. And Donica's now started training, and I think he's, there's going to be a real O'Brien dynasty um, in the way, same way that Mullins has a bit of a dynasty in Ireland. Yeah. I think Aiden on the jumps. I think O'Brien's going to have a dynasty over there. So fair play to them. That's what's going on with those two races. Um, Rob, should we just touch on the Kentucky Derby? Um, so the Kentucky Derby's happening on Saturday night in in uh, Louisville, Churchill Downs. Uh, obviously, this is the first of kind of the three American Triple Crown races. This is like their version of the Derby, if you like. Um, and it is over a mile to, uh, how would you say, it's it's always probably their biggest race of the year on, on race alone, I'd say, Rob, probably in America. Yeah, um, it's the most famous race in America, I think, isn't it? They, they call it the, the fastest two minutes in sport. Yeah. Um, it's a huge build-up I mean, it's a great way I love staying up and watching it on a Saturday night with a few beers and like you know you've been out you come back and it's on at midnight it's on about midnight uh, and it's always some something goes on at the start and this, I mean, you, had a, you had a horse chucked out last year or the year before and there's always something going on I mean I've, I'm not great on American racing but I've had a, I've had a sort of 10 minute look through the form um, I must admit I don't like the favourite I don't know about you Rob but I'm not I'm not keen on this favourite. I've looked at this essential quality, which is currently two to one favourite, trained by Brad Cox. Uh, one at Keeneland, its last race, and it pulled away with highly motivated, which is nine to one in this race. But I watched back the race, and I'm not very happy with his head carriage. I don't think it was a really good head carriage. I didn't like how the horse sort of listed to one side, and they kind of, I think they went off a bit hard. They pulled clear, and then they started coming back to the field, and he kind of just, he almost just outstayed the other horse. I, I wasn't that happy with the run. I wouldn't be bashing into the two to one. So my angle into the race is Mandaloon, which is a 16 to one chance. Again, on official ratings, it is inferior by about 10 or 11 pounds to the favourite. But I watched the race back. He's only had one run. It was a six furlong race. 
maiden, nothing special. So why am I tipping him up? He didn't win it by far. If you look at the run, he actually weaved in and out. He had no room. He was blocked off. He had to come one side and then he had to come back around the second and then sort of go to the inside rail and then he stayed on. And you never think he should have won from there, but he did. Uh, I just might take a chance on him actually being better than that 98 and turning over the favourite because I didn't really like that that run from the favourite. So that would be my each way selection in the Kentucky Derby. Mandaloon, um, number seven, 16 to one. How about you, Rob? Um, well, like you, Dan, I'm not a massive follower of American dirt races, but one when I was looking through the form that stuck out for me was Rock, Rock Your World. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what price, but... Nine to two currently. Nine to two. So it won the Santa Anita Derby, which is, um, you know, a similar kind of race to the... Um, to the Kentucky Derby uh, by four lengths early this month, led from the off there and pulled out and kept kept going and going. And this American American racing is always on an oval track, and often it, it, a lot of it is about position and getting to the first bend um, out in front and, and holding your holding your position against the rail, uh, which this horse did in that Santa Anita Derby. And um, you know you can do that in the Kentucky Derby if he's got a good draw then could be one to watch out for but yeah it, it, it's fun to watch the, it's fun to watch the American Triple Crown I don't tend to get stuck into it on the betting but um, yeah and the, the fanfare of it is also always interesting yeah and it's the it's the fanfare and pageantry it's usually a pretty decent card I, I I don't I like watching the bigger American races because I find them very interesting because it is all about position you need to be on the front end. Hardly any track, any horses come from the the last five or six horses and win in in these sorts of races. Usually they're in the front three or four. On the front end, they get to the turn and they kick for a, a furlong and a half, and and they go on the straight for a furlong half, two furlongs, and and that's it. And and especially at Santa Anita, where you just say because it's a really short straight there. But even at Louisville on uh, in the Kentucky Derby, you know it's a short straight. They you've got to be you've got to be on that bend in the first few horses because if you're coming from way back you're not going to finish like dancing brave in the arc or wherever it might be all wearing around the outside and pass everything it's just not going to happen it's not how these races go so you want to be on the front end i think rocky world has every chance i'd rather back it than the favorite i'll take a punt on a bigger priced horse because i feel like it might have a lot of improvement in it and we shall see how they go rob i know you want to talk about the jockey club stakes at newmarket on saturday i i know there's a horse you like in it uh, it's a mile and a half race, Group Two. What do you fancy? So there's, there's five horses lining up. One of them was my nap from last week, Thunderous, who didn't do very well uh, last week. Uh, but that was over one mile two furlongs, and I heard that actually the trainer thought that this horse should be a, a one mile fur four furlong horse, um, and the the entry to the Gordon Richards was down to the owners. Um, so I mean. We share the same trainer, and <laughs> I think my, my dad and I always tend to trust the trainer's judgment. He's he's a lot more experienced in these things, and he's often more more often right than wrong. Um, so I'm willing to give him another chance. I still think the Dante form from last year is a really standout performance, and I, I think this horse has um, bigger things ahead of him. He's he's nine to one for this race. Uh, the, you know, fifth fifth priced in out of five. But when there's five horses in the race, you only get 
first two each way, but um, at nine to one, that could be a, that could be a good bet. I'm not going to make him run out this week. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it, but um, I am going to have a bet on him. There's there's four other horses in the race that are making me think that whoever wins this race will go on to be a serious horse this summer. Um, I, I, I really, really like Al Zarakan in this. I know we mentioned Day Air last last week and he was sort of my one one of my ones to watch this season. Al Zarakan is another one of ones I had in my tracker as one to watch this season. I really like the profile of this horse. If you look at um last season, finished way down the field, new market, fine. Well twenty nineteen that was, twenty twenty, won at Doncaster in June, went to Kempton, won, went to Lingfield in December, won. So no, no, no great form, Mr. Handicapper, really. However, yeah. look at the run at Kempton last time. Mile three handicap in the Rosebury handicaps. So There's a, a big handicap at Kempton, effectively. Um, running off a racing of 95. Pulled three lengths clear of Almaywa off a mark of 92. And that's a decent horse, can I just say. They pulled five lengths clear of everything else. And this is a good handicap at Kempton. These are good horses in behind it. Um, and Soto Sizzler, 94, United Front, 94. These are no mugs. They're all, good, you know, decent handicapped horses. Off a mark of 95, he's pulverised the field. Without that other shape, Hamdan horse getting three lengths from him, he's beaten United Front by eight lengths, and he's only carried a pound more? Eight lengths. I mean, he's got to be at least 105 to 110 horse. He's now rated 107. I think he's probably 110 plus. I really like the way he knuckled down and won that race. He's a he's 130 in this race. So I think that's short enough, but I think he's a very decent horse. And to be honest, Sir Ron Priestley, I really like in this race. But it's his first start this season, isn't it, Rob? I mean... Uh, second start this season, actually, sorry. What's Sir Ron? Um, he ran at Nottingham a couple of weeks ago in a listed race and won that. Oh, was that in the... the what they got the further, further flight? Yeah. Yeah. And he beat Ocean Wind, which came second or third in the trial the other day to Stradivarius, didn't it? I think. Yeah. I think it came right, second yeah. to Stradivarius on Wednesday. Only lost to Stradivarius by a length. So that's some pretty decent form from Saron. My worry on Saron Priestley, I think you'd probably share it, is he probably wants a bit further than a mile and a half. Yeah, he's 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 a kind of out and out stayer. I mean, he was second in the St Ledger, and then we didn't see him at all last season. And then this season he, he came out and won that Nottingham one mile six furlong listed race. I would I would have expected him to go straight from there into one of the cup races, the Chester Cup or um, Ascot Gold Cup. But yeah, Mark Johnson's lining him up here for a one mile for, four furlong Group Two. Maybe he thinks he's um, you know got got skills over different trips. But will, will he get uh, Will he get into the Chester Cup because he's raced at one hundred and twelve? So it could be that he won't get in because he's 100. Is it 0 to 110? Is in the Chester Cup, I think. True. Um, yeah, so it could, right, yeah, it could. It yeah. could. I mean, Mark, I know, doesn't play around with handicap marks, but if he did want to run him in the Chester Cup and he could get him dropped for a couple of pounds in this race, that would be very helpful. Potentially, yeah. But Potentially. but it'd be interesting. But for me, of everything else, I really like Sir Ron Priestley. I think he's a good horse. Um, yeah. He might just want a bit further, but he's definitely going to stay. Put it that way. He's not going to, you know, think pile driver the favourite. Uh, had a really interesting season. Uh, obviously won at Royal Ascot in the Ascot Derby, the King Edward. He yeah. won at York, sort of 
came third, I think, at Doncaster in the St. Ledger. He kind of went to the Derby and finished down the field, but he's a very decent horse. I think I, th- I think he's the sort of horse that, for William Muir, it's probably going to be one of the best horses William Muir ever trains. And he's probably underrated by punters because of he's trained by William Muir. And it's interesting. I don't think he'll go off favourite for this race. Even though he's rated £7 better than anything else in it, I don't think he'll go off favourite. I think he'll ease a little bit on the day. Uh, and I think yeah. the money will come for the other horses. My horse has got to find, Al Zarakan has got to find £12 with with that pile driver. So he's got a lot to find, but he's very unexposed. So I think I might ch- take a chance on Al Zarakan. And do you want to touch on Pablo Escobar? Is he the only other horse we haven't mentioned in this race? Yeah, he's another horse that I like. He won Group 3 at Glorious Goodwood last year um, and then went to the Ebor, but was carrying far too much weight. I, I like him a lot, but I'm not sure this race is, is for him, really. Um, it, it looks super competitive. I mean, we've made a case for all five in the last few minutes. So, um, yeah, he's one to watch in, in another race. He's slightly inconsistent, but on his day, he can, can win in, in group company. Um, so you, you're, you're hot on Al Zarakan then? Al Zarakan for me, I'll be backing it. I think it's got a really good chance. I, I couldn't not back it after when you pick out a horse for the season that you think is going to run well. You've got to back it, really. But I really like the look of that Kempton handicap form last time. There was a decent handicap, and he demolished him in that. And I think he'll, I think he'll take a lot of beating in this race. But it's a hot race, so yeah, we shall see. But uh, so Rob, that's not going to be your nap. I will ask you for your nap. I just actually, I just want to mention one more in the Palace House, which is a five furlong sprint on on Saturday. There's a horse called Lazuli, which is really, really hot horse of good dolphins. It's three to one currently for that race. I think it's worth a bet uh, just for any people who are having a bet in the Palace House. Um, so, Rob, that's not going to be your nap. Thunderous isn't going to be your nap. What is going to be your nap for this week for Francis Furlong listeners? I've talked myself into backing um, Thunder Moon in the 1,000 guineas. And that's to win, I assume. Uh, sorry, 2,000 guineas. That's to win? That's to win, yeah. What's your five to one? Did we say five to one? Nice. And Dave is absent, but he has informed us earlier that he has backed Scotty Scheffler to win the Valspar this week in the golf. He's got thirty to one, which is a very weird price, uh, and he's having that some of that each way. So Scotty Scheffler to win the Valspar this week. Dave is having uh, my nap. I've been umming and ahhing all day about my nap. I wasn't sure. I'm basically between Alzarakan and Sacred. Uh, I feel like I feel like I should go sacred rather than Alzarakan just because Alzarakan's in such a hot race. I really like him, but it's such a hot race. It's 130. I'd rather take sacred at 12 to 1. So I'm going to be having £5 each way on sacred in the 1,000 guineas. Right, I think that's our selections done. Rob, is there anything more for the listeners before we sign off tonight? I think that's it. There's not so much other sport on this weekend, so um, please enjoy the racing. Yeah. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, please gamble responsibly. Enjoy the racing this weekend. We'll be back next week. Uh, don't know what's on the agenda net for next week, but I'm sure we'll uh, get stuck into whatever's happening. And uh, wish you all a good night and uh, good luck this weekend. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Dan. <laughs>